Hi, this is Danielle from The Jealous Curator, and this is episode 138 of Art for Your Ear. This episode is supported by Saatchi Art, the world's largest curated online gallery offering original art by independent artists from around the world. You can pop over and visit them at saatchiart.com. So sometimes this podcast is supported by Create Magazine, but today it's being co-hosted by Katerina Popova, an artist and the founder of Create Magazine. Yep, I have been trying to get her on here for ages, but she kept dodging my calls until, of course, she started her own podcast and asked me to be a guest on hers. Well, 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 how the tides have turned. I said I would do it if we co-interviewed each other and then posted them as the same episode. So here we are. I am so excited to talk to Kat finally, because yes, once again, I have been connected with her for ages, but we've never actually spoken to each other. A common theme in my world. Anyway, that is about to change. Calling Kat just outside of Philadelphia. Hi, Kat. Hi, Danielle. Here we are. After years of <laughs> quote-unquote knowing each other, we're finally actually talking. Why did we wait this long? I have no idea, but it feels like the perfect time, and I think we have really good things to talk about. So I do. Oh, we I, were know, just like I know why it is. I know why it is, because <laughs> I've asked you to come on the podcast, and then you chicken out. But now that you have a podcast, <laughs> you're willing to do it. That's right. <laughs> it's only fair, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm calling you out on it. Um, so before, I'm gonna we're going to do this sort of... Um, well, it's going to be a co-interview, except that I have a feeling it's going to get all squished together. And um, so yours, what's, what's your new podcast called? It's called Art and Cocktails. So I have, it's 9 a.m. for me. So I have uh, my coffee with Bailey's in it. And I'm drinking Prosecco because I'm really lazy <gasps> and I, I couldn't come up with the recipe. So I'm just, just drinking straight Prosecco. Oh, that's good. I, that was uh, when I was in Venice last year. That was just like a staple. Oh God, and it's so cheap. Isn't that so cheap over there? It's yeah. like two euros for a beautiful glass. <laughs> yeah, I know. Not like here. <laughs> like 16 bucks. <laughs> well, you'll have to get yourself over to Venice, one of your many, many trips that you're doing. Um, okay, so we've got our cocktails, even though it's, you know, midday. That's fine. Okay. No judgment. Don't judge us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so we're going to start with you, because you've avoided me for so long. So I... You are um, an amazing painter, so we're going to talk about that. You also run Create Magazine, which I love, 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 and sponsors this podcast sometimes, which I also love. Thank you very much. Um, But I want to know, because you were born in Russia, right? Yes, I was. Yes, I want to know what you were like as a kid, and were you making art then, and how did you end up going from Russia to doing your BFA in the States? So start at the beginning. Absolutely. Yeah, so I did grow up in Russia, and I lived there until 2001, so it was a really interesting transition, but what happened was my mom was actually an interpreter when I was growing up, so it probably has something to do with me getting into art, because I was like traveling with her sometimes and sketching on the go, that was my escape, Mm. and so, but also I was extremely shy as a kid like really painfully shy and I did not like humans. I ha- always had friends, but very kind of close knit circle, like our neighbors or, but I, I just didn't like large groups or I hated adults. <laughs> I would like, <laughs> I would hide behind my mom. 
So, yeah, I mean, things have definitely improved. I was going to say, you, you seem like you're a little more out of your shell now. Yeah, it was a huge learning curve. But, yeah, but growing up in Russia was really amazing because even though, as you can imagine, the 90s after the fall of communism, things weren't so great financially and economically. And we were rather poor, but the culture is incredible. So we always had access to museums and theater and ballet. So even though we might not have had a decent meal, like we always had access to beautiful oil paintings or sculptures. And my mom made sure that she really nurtured that aspect of our life. So that was like our main cultural food. Every weekend, we just go somewhere. And plus, Mm. the weather doesn't really help. I mean, what else? in the winter so we have to go places but yeah and then in 2001 my mom got married to an american man and we moved to kutztown pennsylvania which is in the middle of nowhere oh my gosh (laughs) that must have been an insane culture shock uh yeah because i lived in a city one of the oldest cities in the world um and actually one of the capitals of russia and then we moved to like a (laughs) cornfield and the only thing around the house was a baseball field and a gas station. So I, (laughs) needless to say, my mom was really depressed and I was just doodling and trying to find things to do. But, (laughs) how old were you? I was uh, like about 13. Oh my goodness. And did you speak English? I did because my mom was a translator. But uh, like I, I was really shy still, so I actually refused to speak for three months. (laughs) I only talked to my mom, and she was so mad at me, but I just did not want to speak, even though I could actually talk. But um, for some reason, I was on this rep. I think the teenage sort of angst started to set in, and I was in a new country, so I just decided to completely make my mom's life even worse than it already was. (laughs) So I guess there were no oil paintings or sculptures at the gas station. No, definitely not. But I did use, the house we moved into wasn't so nice, and we moved out of there rather quickly. But there was an attic that was kind of unfinished, so I ended up painting Lisa Frank murals on the pillars of that attic. Wow. <laughs> that was, yeah, it was just something. I saw, like, a Lisa Frank notebook, and, like, I had some paint, so I said, okay, I'm just going to paint on the wall. Oh. That was <laughs> the first year I moved to America. Oh, my gosh, that's very... Lisa Frank is very perfect for moving to America. (laughs) I think it was my therapy at the time. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And so, 13. Okay, so did did you guys move from that town, or did you stay there through high school? So, we didn't live in the town of Kutztown at the time. We lived in, it's called Fleetwood. We moved to the town shortly after. So, I ended up going to a normal public high school and actually meeting friends. And some of those people are still my best friends, which... They, yeah, they saved my life. <laughs> oh, that's good. And were you, were you making it, like, did, was there a, a good art teacher? Like, were you in the art room all the time, or were you just doing oh, it on yeah. your own? Yeah. In the beginning, there wasn't. There was a, a bit of a crazy teacher there, but the second year, that teacher retired, and my all-time favorite art teacher started Wendy Hall. I'm going to tell her to listen to this episode. She's going to be so happy. She changed my life. She would give me free art supplies because my family couldn't really afford to give me um, that. She would give me free paints. She would send home paper and canvas. She was amazing. And she kept entering my work into competitions. So I'm forever grateful to her for believing in me. Wow, that's amazing. Oh, that just gave me chills. Teachers like that 
change yeah, the world. She, truly. And she is one in a million. She was always really tough on me. If I made something that like was kind of subpar, she would always tell me, but she always believed in my painting and she supported everything. So I'm, yeah, she's the reason why I'm here. <laughs> wow. And so did you go straight from high school to do your BFA or did you take time off or? I did. I I went straight to Kutztown. I got a scholarship. So at the time, my family actually moved away before I even finished high school. So I was kind of hopping around from uh, friend's house to friend's house, at one point living in a basement. <laughs> but I, I ended up going for my BFA. And unfortunately, I had a similar situation as you with the BFA. So it, it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows, but oh. I did finish and I got it. But it turned me off to higher education. <laughs> yeah. And were you a painting major, I assume? I was, yeah. Yeah. Ugh. And were yeah. they just not down with the way that you painted, or what was the problem? No, it was a little different. It wasn't my painting, I think. It was more the... It was very negative to me. It felt like there was only two ways of being an artist. Either you become instantly famous, or you go work for a major museum, or you teach. So, mm. I, I guess three ways. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it just felt really... It was weird, because artists are creative, and we're supposed to be open-minded, and come up with all these solutions but it felt like the most repressed situation in my life I felt so stuck and I felt like there was no way I could do anything mm -hmm. <laughs> with my degree and I did not want to teach I'm not a teacher I don't like it so well you know what they say BFA stands for what bachelor fuck all <laughs> I never heard that. I like that <laughs> okay. well that's that's because I felt exactly the same way it was um uh be famous or or be a teacher and yeah. I was like, really? How is there not other options? And yeah, and I was going to ask you about that. Did you have anyone in college that sort of let you, like, dream outside of that box of academia? Because it's really tough. I had a few professors that weren't my direct professors, but what was your experience with that? Did you have, like, a person you could go to for? Not really. Like, I, I was it was really hard for me because I grew up being the art kid, and that was my identity. And so I thought I would be a great fit at art school. And then when... I was such a horrible fit. It just rocked my world a little bit because I was like, but that's who I am, but I don't fit. Like, it was just upsetting and confusing. But I had one teacher, Elspeth Pratt, who was, um, <clears throat> she's a Canadian sculptor, but she was my drawing teacher. But she was amazing because we could do whatever we wanted. It was quote-unquote drawing, but I painted. Another girl did sculpture. She sort of just let us do whatever let us have our creativity however we wanted. And she actually pulled me aside in my third year and said, you need to go to design school. And okay. I was like, what? Like, we didn't have a design program at our school. So I was like, yeah. uh, you know, and she's like, well, no, no, no. You know, graduate, finish your BFA. But she said, the way that you create and the way that your brain works, whatever, she's like, I think you're a designer, you know. And um, I was kind of hurt by that because I wanted to be an artist, uh, but she was right. <laughs> and I ended up going to design school and, um, I've come back around. She's in my new book. I interviewed her for my new book about women artists. Oh, I'm so excited. We have to talk about that in a bit, but before we do, uh, I don't understand why you can't be both a great artist and a designer. When I yeah. go to art fairs and I see these amazing graphic works, clearly this person has a very kind of like graphic sense and, 
but they're still a fine artist too. You can yeah. be both. And I, I and you know what? And I finally know that now. But to me, it felt at the time like you had to choose. You know, it was like yes. be a designer or be an artist. And so I was like, okay, fine. I've been told I can't be an artist. I've been why told I that? suck. Pardon? I said, why is that? And that's one thing. Yeah. I, if any professors are listening, I'm, there's a lot of amazing teachers out there, but there's no. You don't have to be one thing. And I am learning that now, obviously, being an artist and running a magazine and doing all these things, there's place for everything. And sometimes you need a break from one project. Yeah. You just do. Yeah. I know it's nice to bounce around. And um, that's what I'm finding with, like, writing the books and doing art and being a mom. Like, you know, it's kind of nice to do all these different things. It kind of keeps everything fresh. Um, but, you know, Elspeth was really amazing because... She saw that I was upset. She saw she she actually came to me after the whole you should never paint again critique extravaganza that happened right before I graduated with that awful painting teacher. Um, because I was still in Elspeth's classes and I'm heading towards graduation and I was I just stopped making anything. I like I couldn't every time I picked up a pencil, a paintbrush, I just I couldn't do it. That breaks and, my heart. I know exactly. Yeah, what it was it was so sad and especially being the art kid, I was like that had never happened to me before. Like, who am I? Who yeah, I'd never I? been stuck. I'd never had a creative block. I was just like, I don't know what to do. And so Elspeth pulled me aside and said, what are you doing? Like, you have weeks left to go and, like, your projects aren't finished. And I I just burst into tears and I, you know, I told her what happened with that critique. And she was furious because she said, you know, it had nothing to do with you. She said, whoever went first she said, basically, you were in the middle of a three-ring circus, and whoever went first in that critique situation, because it was with a visiting artist that he was showing off in front of, and she said, whoever went first was going to be the sacrificial lamb. It just so happens that it was you. But that came at the end of four years of getting bashed. So maybe that was true, but it was already, I mean, I was already down on the ground, and it was just like the final kick, and it was just, I just couldn't get back up, and... um she tried to help me, and I I just wasn't in a position to listen at that stage, you know? And it wasn't until years later that I kind of remembered her telling me that. And um, I wrote a letter to her. I did The Artist's Way years ago, like before I started Jealous Curator. I did The Artist's Way, and one of the things in it was to send a letter to thank somebody from your past that had, you know, helped guide you. And so I figured out which school she was now teaching at, and I wrote a letter and said, you probably have no idea who I am. I wasn't one of the art stars, you know, but I said, you changed my life. I ended up going to design school. Um, I kind of found my way, and it, you were the only person that encouraged me. And um, so anyway, we've since talked about it now that she's in the book. But just, So glad. Yeah, me too, you know, and there are amazing I mean, I would hope that there are more amazing teachers than bad teachers, but those bad ones, boy, they sure leave a mark. It's so true. And we're so vulnerable at that age because we're trying to figure out our identity. So when someone like that comes in and just shatters us, it's really hard to recover from that. I mean, it's possible. Obviously, we're here, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it was also just, you know, I always say that, like, it wasn't like it was a one-time thing that broke me. It was just day after day after day after day yeah. of being told that I wasn't good enough. And I kept fighting and I kept fighting and I kept fighting. And it was just sort of near the end where it was just like, I just was done, you know, and um, the self-doubt was there and I just couldn't shake it. And it took me, you know, until seriously, just maybe five or six years ago to go, no, 
I'm going to make yeah. art again. Like, this is crazy. I've wasted my whole life. And, you know, whenever I speak anywhere or whatever, I always tell people, like, pick the pencil up. You know, I gave that guy so much power in my life. He told me to yeah. put my paintbrush down, and I did. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. We didn't know any better at the time. No. I am the same way. I kept – my story was a tiny bit different from yours, but I had the same feeling, so I completely understand what you went through. I just – I – what happened was I got accepted to grad school and I just felt in oh my gut, I'm not going to go. Like I just felt something was wrong. I wanted to go for a therapy because that was the job that I thought, you know, <clears throat> would sustain me. And I felt like I was giving back, but I just knew my heart wasn't in it. And then I got the tuition bill and I said, definitely not in it. <laughs> super insane. And I just remember painting and my paintings really were terrible at this time period this was like a year after graduating they all sucked I hated them all what were you doing what were you making lord only knows and I had all these I was so ambitious I had all these shows scheduled so you know (laughs) I was like I just have to make something and they were very dark I think there was a lot of (laughs) darkness inside of me at the time but it was like a lot of nocturnes and um, some interiors a lot of like landscapes but it was so strange. I just remember pain, I kept going, but it was, uh, my heart wasn't in it. And I just felt so down and dready. Like everything was, ugh, it was not a good feeling. And I was also working at IHOP serving pancakes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so it was like a really dark cloud over my life. <laughs> and I cried every single day of for like three months straight. I'm not even joking. I felt this is my life, you know. I'm living in a studio apartment, working as a waitress at four in the morning, serving really mean people, eggs and pancakes that they're so unhappy with. Like, what is happening? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm going to paint a dark, scary landscape now. <laughs> Literally, so I did. Oh, no. <laughs> but I guess it was a form of therapy at the time. And so where but, did you go from, like, how long, how long were you at IHOP? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, everyone is still shocked that I lasted six months <laughs> but I'm really stubborn so but I would always like take notes like I would sneak into the bathroom and write down painting ideas or you know whatever <laughs> while I was there you have to but it was ah, I, I had my escape but it was crazy and then I had a bunch of other jobs but yeah I know exactly what you went through and it, it to be honest with you, even though I kept painting, one of your questions for me, what I'm sure you'll ask me this, like how my paintings changed over the years. Yeah. I kept painting, but maybe my soul wasn't in it. So I just like was going through the motions to say I was a painter to myself, even though I didn't feel it. What is that thing where you have to tell your body what to do and then your mind catches up? That kind of thing? Yeah. So that's what I was doing for a few years. And just like two or three years ago, I started to finally feel like a painter. Like I'm in this. I love painting. But it was just going through the motions for a long time. Well, that's amazing that you kept going through the motions, that you didn't just quit. Yeah, I know. I'm amazed by that, too. I'm like, that was not a happy time. Well, you can (laughs) see, like, when you look at your portfolio, what year does your portfolio start in? Um, 2000. Yes, 2000. Well, I put some older work from when I first graduated there. So I graduated in 2011. Yeah. 2012. And 13 were still just like trying to purge myself of the voices basically well it's crazy because when you look when you start at the bottom of your online portfolio and work your way up <clears throat> the palette changes um like drastically yeah. <laughs> your your brush strokes <laughs> change your your subject matter changes and it's just like whoa okay 
what happened in like 20, what was it? Probably 2014, 2015. <laughs> Cause you can just see it's like urch, total change. Yeah, did you fall so, in love? Did you get a day job you liked? Like, did you, no, what I, happened? My poor boyfriend has been with me through college. Like we've been dating since I was a freshman in college. So he's been through all this with me. So no, I, I mean, I was in love obviously with no. him. But, um, I think what started happening was I, I got in, this sounds really like woo woo, but I started to read a lot of self-help books because I was so depressed and um, unhappy with where I was. So I started to just read a ton of positive stuff, like pray, meditate, read affirmations every day and try to visualize what I want my life to actually look like. And my painting started to change too, as I was becoming less of a <laughs> dark, <laughs> depressed soul. <laughs> and did you move? Like, where were you living? Oh, oh, we did move, but we literally moved across the street. We're oh. still in the same apartment. <laughs> uh, so we... My boyfriend and I both had a really rough time financially a few years ago, and, you know, I was just out of college. I was waitressing, not nothing to, you know, be super excited about, and he was, it was, um, I think he got his first job right after the financial crash, so he's in finance, so we both were just going through hell, mm. um, and we lived in a studio, but I kept painting. I have some pictures of me, paint, not of me, but of my paintings on the floor, between like the TV and the kitchen table <laughs> and we always laughed because I had to do the like I had to um clear off the table and make sure there were no dishes so that I had space to paint like everything had to always be prepped because there was only enough space to just walk to like two steps yeah. oh my gosh <laughs> but we, yeah but we moved I mean we live in a good place now because you guys are in are you in Philadelphia we're right outside we're in Wilmington Delaware actually we're oh, about okay. 30 minutes away so okay and, yeah, it's a, it's a great place to be. There's a really nice art community here, and I'm really close to Philly, so I go there a few times a week. That's why I thought because I see on Instagram all the time, like you know, yeah. photos from Philly. So I was wondering where if you were right in there or not. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. And yeah. so, um, okay. Yeah, no. There's can a lot. I, can I keep Can I keep going about you? See how I'm uh, avoiding asking questions about me. Um. Yeah. We. My guess, but we have to get to you eventually. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, oh, oh, out of time. Okay, so I just want to know, so you're painting, there's joy coming back in. The last few years, I mean, you've just been on fire, and um, it's all these domestic scenes. Why, why did you, and they're beautiful, like they're, they're not, they're messy, like it's a me messy beds and laundry day, but the colors are, you know, magentas and purples and turquoise and just amazing but they're all domestic scenes. So wh why and where and yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so what happened was in college, I did have a painting professor who helped guide me towards painting about my background. Cause I was going through kind of a difficult time transitioning from my life in Russia to my life in the States. And I was trying to capture that kind of disparity in my work. So in the beginning, I was painting a lot of really nostalgic Russian scenes. And I remember one day stumble, stumbled excuse me, upon an interior photograph online, and I just thought, I need to paint this. But what happened was, as you know, if you try to paint from other people's images, you're going to run out of references super quickly. And that's where I, I got stuck. And I didn't know where I wanted to take my work. Thus came the dark landscape. <laughs> <Not turn laughs> But 
one day I remember walking into my friend's apartment and just seeing the spaces that I was trying to find desperately online. So I saw her room in the light that I see things that I want to paint. And it was a game changer for me. It was so simple. It was just opening your eyes and being mindful. So my whole new series is it's an exercise in mindfulness and appreciating things around us, but also looking for that feeling that we think we need to go travel across the ocean for in our own backyard, basically. Mm. And that's beautiful. And it opened. Thank you. And it has been really. It connected me to a lot of people. I get a lot of DMs. <laughs> it sounds really weird, but people send me their messy rooms on Instagram all the time. <laughs> like, oh, here's my bra on the floor. Paint this. And I love it. I honestly do. It's so much fun. And people are so open and vulnerable with me that I feel vulnerable sharing, you know. Yeah. A lot of the paintings are about, you know, I'm almost dirty, so it's kind of um, transitioning to being a bit older and mature, intimacy and you know, exposing ourselves basically to the world, things we, as women we go through, like sexuality and just messy houses. That yeah. <laughs> My room has probably stayed in the same state <laughs> the past, <laughs> like, six months. <laughs> I try. I really do. But, you know. Well, it is really quite refreshing because I think it's so funny people are sending those to you via Instagram because on Instagram everyone's worlds all look so perfect. You know, and every, everything is staged and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, and then your work is these messy. It's like where your camera isn't pointing when you take your Instagram shot. <laughs> and my mom said that to me, too, because she had a really rough time moving to this country. So I said, I don't know, Mom, something's happening. People really love these messy rooms. And she's like, people are sick of, per- like, sick of these perfect things. They just want to see the real shit. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't know yeah, that is totally true. It is completely <laughs> true. And um, I, it's just so funny, though, because, uh, yeah, you know, you and I have known of each other for so long. And then, yeah, just a couple of years ago, all of a sudden, I, you know, I, I see these paintings that you're posting. And I was just like, okay, it's a new <laughs> game. And uh, and then so but at the same time, you're running this magazine, which is insane. Wait, it's, wait, let's not talk about let's talk about your work first, okay. because you've avoided it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel the same way about you because I've always loved your collages, but the past few years you have introduced painting back into your life. So what happens? <laughs> well, talk about that, that. Yeah, that was <laughs> a um feeling like a giant hypocrite <laughs> because I had written Creative Block, that which is my first book and I love that. Anyway. Thank you. Yeah, that, that it's 50 interviews with artists from all over the world about how they, like full-time artists, who how do they deal with blocks and inner critic and all that stuff. And I was just so stunned that they all get blocked and they all have self-doubt. And I was like, what? That's just like me. And so I was running around the world doing speaking things, telling people to work past those blocks and blah, blah, blah. And then I realized that like I was so not pushing past my own blocks. Um, and then I wrote, uh, your inner critic is a big jerk. And again, that was basically a culmination of everyone I met and talked to while I was promoting creative block. It was just, I kept hearing all of these me too stories and like what it was like to be an artist. And the common denominator was always the inner critic. Like, oh, I'm jealous of people that goes back to your inner critic. Oh, you know, a white canvas is terrifying to me. That goes back to your inner critic. I don't want to share my work. It's, you know, goes back to your inner critic. And so that's what that book was all about. And then, so while I'm writing this and I mean, talk about soul searching, you're by yourself having to write this down 
while you're living it. Like it was so mm. meta. <laughs> I yeah. cried. I cried every day. Like I, it was really cathartic, but really intense. And, um, so, you know, I, I, I promote a lot of like jump starter activities, you know, like just get creative, make something every day. And so I decided since I wasn't doing that while telling everyone else to do it, <laughs> I thought, you know, I'm going to, and I was doing collage. So I thought I'm going to do a collage every day. It was the beginning of uh, Christmas holidays about two and a half years ago. And my son was home. It was his first day off from school. And I thought I'm going to do a collage every day. And, um, I was lying in bed the first morning and kind of half awake, half asleep. And I got a little picture in my head of a blob of paint with a little dude standing, like one of my little cutout guys standing <laughs> on top I of guess. it. I love them. And I said to my husband, I need to buy paint. <laughs> he was probably like, what? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I hadn't painted. I always joke that you can't spell painting without pain. And, uh, and so all my paint had basically dried up and was turned into plastic. Um, and so I went and bought a bunch of paint and I still have my paintbrushes from my undergrad, like 20 something years ago. And I always tell people to don't get precious. Don't use a big fancy piece of paper when you're starting out. Don't use a canvas. So I just ripped up these little squares of, uh, uh watercolor paper and just started making strokes on all of them. So I different. I just picked my favorite colors. I tried different brushes. I tried tiny strokes. I tried dots. I tried big, thick, juicy ones just to get used to painting again. And then once they all dried, I just pulled out my collage bowl filled with tiny people and started playing with who would go where. And if a story didn't pop into my mind the second they hit that little blob, that wasn't their blob. So I would try them on different places. And, and when it was almost like a puzzle, when they landed on the right blob, the story, which is the title pops into my head and I glue them down and that's the end of the story. And I was a maniac. I don't know how many pieces I made over that holiday. Like I was out of control. I, I was laughing out loud in the studio by myself. My husband came in and he was like, I've never seen you have so much fun making that's art. It was amazing. always so painful before that, you know? And I just yes. haven't looked back. It's been two and a half years and I've just continued to try and evolve it and push it and use more paint and not be scared and just have fun for once. I'm so, ins I'm so inspired by your recent work too because I love how all the elements of you are coming together because even in your Instagram posts, you have such witty captions and you're always so interesting and funny. And I love seeing that all come together in this new work. It's it's beautiful. Thank I you. can't wait to, I'm going to buy one of them one day, <laughs> one day soon. Thank you. Well, you know, that was the thing. <laughs> I mean, I've talked about it on the podcast before, but you know, along with being told you should never paint again during my undergrad, I was also told, so this was, I graduated in 95 and sadly things I don't think have changed that much, but I was told, um, and again, paraphrasing, but that it was bad enough that I was a woman and wouldn't be taken seriously as an artist. But I was in my undergrad. I was trying to introduce humor into my work. And I was basically told, like, you can't be funny. Like, you're already a woman and you won't be taken seriously. If you add humor, you really won't be taken seriously. So I tried to just, like, take that completely out of my work. But when it's a huge part of your personality, you can't remove you have to put your personality into your work. And so I was trying to extract it, which, of course, is, like, totally 
dumb and doesn't work. And so again, just in the last couple of years, um, it was after I interviewed Wayne White, who's just so funny. His work is funny. He gets criticized for, from, you know, some highfalutin, um, gallery people that it shouldn't be funny. And he's just like, I don't care. And well, actually he said, fuck it. And so when he said that, I was like, (laughs) yeah, like, what am I doing? And this was just, you know, two and a half years ago. And so I've just tried to embrace all of the things about me that I love and work that I, you know, just like the things I'm attracted to and then who I am. And I just try and mash them all together. And I finally feel like I found my own voice. And I just turned 45 last week. So it took a real, it took a really, (laughs) it took a really long time to find that voice, but I found it. And, you know, when I hear so many people say, oh, it's too late, it's too late. I, you know, I loved art when I was a kid, but it's too late. It's like, no, it's not. Figure it out, figure out who you are, figure out what you want to make. I've made a lot of crap too. Like I've made a lot of bad things that, (laughs) yeah, that nobody has seen on Instagram, but you just have to show up every day and make the crap and keep infusing yourself and you'll, you'll find your way. Absolutely. And I'm so happy for you. You're, you're blossoming right now. And I wanted to ask you too, when you started to gain some success with your blog, how do you feel it impacted your work? Do you, did you get a little more confidence about being an artist? I know you talked about, you know, later on you felt you had a little disconnect between them, but overall has, Having another venture and being, creating this community for artists, has it helped you in your own work? Because I had that experience with Create, and it, I think it's really magical because when we give to others, it just all comes back to us. And yeah. some may say it's like, oh, well, you know, you have a lot of followers now or whatever. But it, it really, it's not because people message me, I talk to them, I meet them for coffee these days if they're close by. And did you have the same experience? Yeah, absolutely. When I, I started Jealous Curator for myself, like as art therapy, because I was mm-hmm. so truly jealous. Um, I'm not anymore. And that changed very quickly, like probably within a couple of months that jealousy turned into admiration because I started, you know, these people would email me when, after I wrote about them or, um, you know, I felt so alone for a good 20 years, 15, 20 years. And then all of a sudden there's all these like people who feel exactly like me. And I was like, what? I, I honestly didn't realize an inner critic was a thing. I just thought that that was the mean voice in my head. I didn't realize that every <laughs> human being has them because I just didn't talk. I was, I didn't talk about it. I was ashamed. Um, I didn't tell anyone that you should never paint again story for years because I was ashamed. Um, now I tell everybody and their dog and then everyone has a similar story, which is horrible yet entertaining. Um, and so I just felt, yeah, like I had a very clear moment, maybe six weeks into starting the blog where I was looking for artwork. I didn't have a post for the next day. And so I went to a gallery, um, website that I knew from this gallery in New York that I, that I was famous, like this big art gallery. And I, uh, they had repped like maybe a hundred artists. So I went through all of them, looked at the work of all of them. And there was not one that I wanted to write about the next day. And I remember thinking, but they're repped by a gallery in New York. But it just made me realize like, oh my God, there's room for everybody. You just have to find the right audience. You just have to find the right gallery or the right, you know, buyers or whatever. But 
there's room for all of us. And it was just this huge weight off my shoulders to be like, oh, I'm free to make whatever I want. And that mixed so with... Liberating. Yeah, so liberating. And that mixed with suddenly having a community. And then when I started doing talking things, you know, you'd talk to people afterwards and all of these Me Too stories and laughing and crying together. And it was just like, oh my God, I am so far from alone. It's, you know, it's almost ridiculous that I ever felt like that. And uh, so it just kind of gave me the confidence to be like, you know what, I can do this. And also to give me the, to allow me to be vulnerable. You know, I was so, I like people to think I've got it all together. I've always oh been gosh. like that my whole life, like <laughs> such a perfectionist. I always want people to think, like people are like, oh, wow, you know, you've really got your act together. I didn't want them to know I was crying every day, you know. And so Joe's yeah. Curator's given me the space to go, yeah, hell yeah, I cry every time. <laughs> and because oh my gosh, everyone relatable. feels the same way, you know, and it's fine. It's fine. It's We're all in it together. And I especially think lately with, you know, women really banding together um, because – being a woman and an artist, oh my God, talk, talk about self-deprecating oh. and apologetic and, and not wanting to make too much noise and not, oh, you know, and I love that women are like, hell no. Like, it's just an amazing time right now to be a female artist. And I, I, let's talk about your book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. I see I what you're doing my here. Copy. You ordered your copy. Yay, thank you. I, I'm so excited. I ordered a mug, a shirt, and a book. I'm like, I, I'm number one fangirl. So. Oh, that's so awesome. I just got my mug and my, my shirt in the mail, too. They're so cute. They're so cute. Um, merch. Got to have some merch. Um, well, it was really exciting because um, after Big Jerk came out, my um, <laughs> editor, well, she was my editor at Chronicle, and then she started her own agency, so she's now my I know I have a literary agent, which makes me sound super fancy. Um, But her name's Kate Woodrow. She's amazing. And so she's like, okay, well, what's next? And I was like, I don't know. Um, Like, um, you know, and my thing has become, you know, blocks and inner critic. And I don't know. I just felt like, okay, I think I've written about that. Like, I don't, I don't need to keep talking about that. Um, But the thing. You've overcome. Yeah. Well, and I don't know. I just thought like, I need. I need more for me. It's like, it's being a, like a, being a painter, you know, and you continually evolve and you need to keep yeah. talking about what matters to you. And the thing that just kept coming up, this is before the whole me too movement kind of kicked in, like in the early 2017. So sort of before that fall. Um, and I said to Kate, you know, it drives me crazy because when I was an undergrad, but they didn't in art history, they didn't teach us about women. And yeah. I remember being a little undergrad, you know, and putting up my hand uh, and being like, where are the women? Because I was studying to be an artist. And, you know, it was the whole be famous or not. I wanted to be a, fe- fe- you know, a famous female artist. And I was like, well, who came before me besides Frida Kahlo and Georgia O'Keeffe? Like, they didn't tell us about anybody. And I just felt like how, you know, you kind of need to know what came before you. Yeah. To forge ahead, you know. And um, the props were. And it's crazy. I started to interrupt, yeah. um, but I, I find it really interesting because I consider myself an educated person and I love to read, but I didn't even realize until this year 
I started listening to the Art History Babies podcast. They're really great, too. And they started to highlight a lot of women artists, and I felt so called out. I had no idea about these women. I know. So I was so glad to see you write this book. Because well, yeah, I, I, mean, I felt the same way. It's, it's so embarrassing. You know, if somebody yeah. says, like, some historical woman, you're like, ooh, like, I'm in the art world. Like, I should probably know, and I don't know. And it's just because, you know, so when I, you know, I said to these profs, like, where are the women? Like, surely women were making art in 1530 and in 1820 and in 19, you know, 70. Like, where are <laughs> they? And they said, well, yes, of course there were women making art, but they weren't considered, most of them weren't considered important enough to document. Okay. Uh, so their work and everything has kind of gone a lot of it is just lost, right? It was never documented properly or it was attributed to men. Like after they died, they, you know, oh, it looked like so-and-so. So they assumed it was the work of either a copycat or so-and-so did probably did this or whatever. Um, so I thought, well, you know, that was my experience 20 years ago at university. It's probably changed and oh my God. it well, hasn't. Still, yeah. No, I had one professor who was really good about it. His name was Dan Haxel. At Kutztown, and he, but he taught the history of collage, so he he actually showed a lot of collage women artists that are contemporary. But still, I my like ancient art history courses really rarely featured women. Like Artemisia is probably the only one I know. Yeah, yeah, I know, and that's that's. So what is in the book? Give us a little sneak. Well, is the book. So what I wanted to do, what I love about my podcast is basically, you see, art history, an old art history book. You're only going to get what's written there. You know, these people are dead. You can't go and go, yeah, but what did you do in the summers? You know, like you can't find this stuff out. So what I love about my podcast is I can ask people ridiculous, you know, like, (laughs) what's your favorite dessert? Like you can ask crazy questions and you can document it now because you guys are alive. Um, And so with the book, it's like, there are so many women artists now. It's like, I don't want the pattern to be repeated. I want, I don't want there to be some excuse like, oh, well, they weren't documented. It's like, Okay, well, I'll document them then. So the book um, is called (laughs) A Big Important Art Book, Now with Women, because (laughs) there are so many big important art books that do not have women. So this is a big important art book. It's a hardcover. It's like over 300 pages, and it's all about women. So, but I wanted to make a nod to not only the present, what's happening now, but also to the past and to the future. Um, because that's what I wanted. I wanted the story, the whole story. So the way that I've broken up the book is that it's 15 chapters and each chapter revolves around either a genre or a theme. So there's, you know, a chapter on portraits, there's a chapter on narrative work, there's a chapter on humor based work. And so it starts with a project around that theme for the artists of the future. It's like, here's a Kickstarter, here's a project about portraits. And if you would like an example of how portraits can be done in many ways, here are three contem- the stories of three oh. contemporary artists who are doing portraiture, but all in very different ways so that you don't I think a that. portrait is just somebody sitting there. It's like portraits can be like this, they can be like this, or they can be like this. And then sprinkled in throughout those contemporary bios are little sidebar did you knows about historical women who also did portraits and here's how they did them, or like little did you know behind the scene facts about them. And then it goes on to the next chapter and it breaks down narrative that way, or it breaks down whatever that way. Um, And so um, it was just, oh my God, I, I, set up this I call I'm it my, excited it's so good I'm so proud of it and then running, uh, running press gonna, is like, the um it everywhere when I get it <laughs> <laughs> running press is the uh publisher they're actually out of Philly and New York 
And it is, the book is so beautiful. They sent me the first comps just like as a PDF. And, you know, I've never worked with them before. I've never worked with their design team. I was a graphic designer and a creative director for 18 years. So I'm a little, let's say, high maintenance when it comes to design. And, <laughs> um, vision. Well, yeah, but you never know. Like, you know, sometimes the design team, they have their vision too, right? Well, my gosh, they, Ashley Todd is the name of the designer who's the head of it. And that's who did it? Yeah, she sent me the, the comps and I was just like, I cried. I was just like, no changes. <laughs> this is the most it's beautiful. beautiful. It, I mean, I haven't seen the inside, but the outside is amazing. I'm so excited. Well, the outside is my painting. Did you what? know that? No, I didn't yeah. even put it together. Yeah. Oh, my God. They <laughs> asked me to do, like, so we had our first meeting. How does that feel? I know. Everything, everything is, like, oh, that, that, that gave me chills. That it gave <laughs> me chills again. together. <laughs> I, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I had my first meeting um, about the design. With I've been working with my editor, who's amazing, and she and then Ashley came on the call, and we're talking about design, and we were just like, yep, yep, yep. Like, we just had very much the same vision. And then uh, they're like, okay, so for the cover, and I'd sent them comps of different covers, like, you know, that I liked, um, and I wanted really I wanted it to be big and important. So I really wanted big, bold text. And mm-hmm. so I sent them all these, you know, I just set up a Pinterest board and basically found all these covers I liked. And then they called back and said, um, cool, we'll do that. Um, but we want you to do the painting for the cover. Oh and my God. Like, I'm so happy to hear that. You have no idea. Like there's, there's like from the bottom of like my gut, I'm just so happy for you. That is just so insane. I couldn't God, believe I it. Well, and the really cool thing is it's going to be for sale in like, you know. When is big... it launch? When is it? I mean, I'll put notes on the on my side too, but um, when is it coming out? Um, it will be released October 2nd. I'm so excited. Yeah. books, Big bookstores like Barnes & Noble and stuff should have it um, at the beginning of September, I think. But um, cool. if you order it or like smaller cool. indie shops, they'll have it October 2nd. But um, it's going to be in like gallery gallery bookshop so like MoMA uh, blah 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 and so that technically if you want to get technical that means my painting will be in those galleries <laughs> yes. so it's really exciting and just a dream come true literally nothing makes me happier than this I can just go <laughs> die now I am so happy for you I'm serious me too you know and I just I loved being emerged and I worked on it for about a year and just like every day I set up a little I call it the book nook I have this weird alcove in my bedroom that has no purpose I don't know why it is there but I, I bought a tiny little three-foot desk that you could jam into this uh, alcove and I called it my book nook and I went up there every day with a coffee and and all wrapped up in a cozy sweater and I just wrote every day for about eight hours and I just got lost in these women's stories because I interviewed them but then instead of it being a Q&A I've I took those answers and I wrote it like an art history book, like I wrote their stories. And so it was just a privilege to be like... able to document their stories like that. Yeah, sorry to interrupt. I'm just overly excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, and I feel like I need a whole other episode about your book writing rituals. <laughs> yeah, it's it funny. It's a, lot, it's a lot different than um, my art. It's a lot different process but I love them both equally you know and it's like two children it's like you know I can't pick a favorite I I never thought I'd be a writer that was not what I went to school for I you know just recently I I practiced at a dinner party I I said out loud that I was a writer to someone 
and nothing happened. The, the you know, the sky didn't yes. fall. I thought it might, but it didn't. And um, yeah, it's become this new part of my life, you know, in this in the second half of my life. And I I don't see an end in sight. I love it. I Who love knew? It. So please don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I'm like, well, what, now now they're all asking, you know, what's next? The editors and whatever. And it's like, I don't know, volume two. Like, there's about 12 million women we need to write about. So yeah, you do need a volume two, but. I was going to ask you, what are you doing this summer now that you're done with your, you're done with your book, right? Yeah, yeah, there's nothing for me to do now. I just sit here and impatiently wait for October 2nd. <laughs> you're um, going to paint or traveling. Oh, you're going to Venice, right? So talk yeah. about that. Oh, I'm going to Venice. I'm teaching for a week at the European Cultural Academy in Venice, which is, again, like, how is this my life? Oh, I wanted to go so badly, but I'm going to France like a few weeks after, so I can't. Oh, <laughs> but... next year. Come next year. Yes. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I mean, that's insane. How did you get started on that? That is so cool. With Venice? So you do teach, um, yeah, I saw you doing it last year, right? That was your first year of doing that. Well, that was the first year of the Academy. I don't know. They follow me on Instagram and, um, the women, actually, the the two women who run it are Russian. Oh, really? Yeah, they're twins. (laughs) And, uh, they live in Amsterdam and Venice. They go back and forth. They work for the European Cultural Center and, uh, Maria, this has been her, dream was to start this academy um and so the cultural center said okay go for it so last year was the first year that she did it and they have I mean I was only there for two weeks but they have courses constantly all through the summer and then um they're doing it again this summer for the architectural biennale and they decided to do a contemporary art week in the middle of it and so they invited me back because we had such a great time last year Last year was a leap of faith because they didn't know what I'd be like. I didn't know who they were. Um, but I went for two weeks, and it was life-changing. I'm coming next year. Yeah, it's, it's life Talk <laughs> about Prosecco. We can have Prosecco and <laughs> yeah. talk about art and books. And- yeah, it was, life, it was a life-changer because it was, it's, well, it's Venice, for God's sake. And it's, but you see the most, not only the artwork that's being shown everywhere, um, whether you're at the Biennale or just randomly walking along I mean there's galleries everywhere it's so it was such a roller coaster because I felt like I'm an artist oh my god I'm I'm ridiculous compared to the work that's here and then it's like no no I can do it oh my god look at that thing and so it was just I I wrote a lot of notes I I sat by the canal and just wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and you know I don't know it was very yeah you got to come next year so this year will be really exciting because it's the architecture biennale and you know at first I was like I don't know is that models of buildings like that's not really my jam but um I was talking to Maria and she's like she's like that's what they thought too but she's like no it's insane because it's very conceptual so she's like it's it's more um I actually just posted it on my site a couple weeks ago of some images from the past architecture it's very aspirational and it's it's very much about how people live together and move together and how cities work and um, our environment and so it's it's very aspirational about thinking about people and the world and um, it's very art based and um, so I'm really excited to see I can't wait to see your picture yeah, the pictures and just like the emer- emotional turmoil I will experience once again. Um, it's okay though because the gelato helps with the turmoil. Oh my gosh, how amazing! We went to Italy last year and that was incredible. That was just for vacation though, but it was 
it was so it was just magical yeah like that place is out of this world i know it's <laughs> it belongs just... somewhere in heaven i hope heaven is more like italy <laughs> I know. well venice <laughs> is such a weird place venice is like this weird disneyland like it just doesn't feel like a real place I, I don't know. Anyway, it's really cool. So come next year. Um, so yeah, this summer I'm doing that. I'm speaking at um, a collage conference in um, New Orleans and um, and then just painting and hanging out with my son. He's turning 12 this year. So we're running out of summers where he thinks it's cool to hang out with me. So I am <laughs> yeah, going to take advantage of this. <laughs> I'm going to live it up. Um, okay, let's flip it back at you. So speaking <laughs> of traveling, and jealous inducing jealousy inducing photographs <laughs> you it seems like you've made a conscious choice to start doing a lot more residencies and a lot more traveling absolutely i have and it was so crazy because the first one was um 2016 i applied to this residency in greece yes and that's was, a, yes yeah I, I remember that so 2016 oh my god <laughs> i have a backstory about that too i feel like everything Everyone always tells me, your life looks so amazing on Instagram. Of course it does. That's like the high reel of everything. (laughs) (laughs) But what happened was I signed up for this thing and I got a grant. I applied to a lot of grants for my residencies in case anyone wonders, like, how the hell do people go (laughs) places? You apply to grants. And um, I also was working with a mentor, Bridget Mayer, who's an amazing mentor. She's a dealer and gallery owner. Um, She moved to Los Angeles. But... She was helping me at the time, but I applied and I got in and, you know, I had to raise some money to be there because it was three weeks, I believe. And so, yeah, that was my first one. The thing is, when I was younger, backstory, when we were in Russia, my mom, as I mentioned, was an interpreter. So we used to travel quite a bit through Europe because it's much easier to travel over there than it is here. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 100%. (laughs) So here I have not traveled at all. It's just so big. It's so, and it was, you know, I mentioned I had a little financial trouble, so I couldn't really afford to go anywhere. Yeah. (laughs) I could barely go to New York. I forced myself, but I did it, but it was really tough. So then I was like, no, no more. I'm going. I don't care what it costs. So my mentor was like, okay, it's easy. You just calculate how many paintings you need to sell to afford this trip. So we did a whole budget and we sat down. And I was like, okay, I've got to sell, like, three big paintings, and I can, like, bare bones scrape by while I'm there. Wow. And I did. But you know what? It was three days before I left. I had enough money for my grant to buy my ticket and reserve the hotel and pay for the residency, but then, like, just staying there. Um, three days before my residency, and I'm a huge believer in law of attraction kind of, you know, positive thinking stuff. And I was like, it's going to happen. It's going to be okay. I was like, oh, my God, I'm panicking. It's not going to be okay. I don't have any money to go. Like, three days later, this collector from California, San Diego, emailed me, and she's like, okay, I want to buy this painting. So I was like, okay, well, I'm having a studio sale right now, so this is on sale a few, you know, a few hundred dollars off. She's like, okay, I'll buy two more. I was like, what? And then I had enough money to go, and since then, I was just, if you want to do something, the world will provide a way for you to do it. You just have to set your intention and go for it, so... Same thing happened with Iceland, really. And it was amazing. But, yeah, it's been awesome. When when was Iceland? That was just this last year. Yeah, it was just a few months ago. It was, oh, your photos are stunning. And your all the little watercolor studies that you did while you were there, are you doing uh, anything with them? Because they are insane. Oh, 
Thank you so much. I had just had a show, actually, at Brooklynier Fine Art in Philadelphia. She had a show for them because there was a few other women that were in Iceland and Norway doing this uh, similar kind of thing with phot- photography and filmmaking. So it was really cool. Oh, and so she did it as a group show? Yeah, she did a group show. And about... did you know those women or no? No. Oh. Wow. It was just, it was a, like a side effect of the residency. But yeah, I mean, it was the residencies. I always thought they were for like privileged kids and I was kind of snobby about them, but I am so in love. I, I love, like, that's what I work so hard for. I'm like, I need to go. I need to go. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. Well, I know you posted cause we're friends on Facebook and I know that you posted, Oh, like maybe a year or so ago. Should I get a dog or travel more? <laughs> it was like, I, 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 as soon as that came up, I just wrote in all caps, travel. <laughs> yeah. I have two wiener dogs who I love very much and an 11 year old kid who I love very much, but it stops you. You know, like I, I don't, I mean, thank God for my husband. Cause he'll let me go out. You know, I, he can take yeah. care of the home front while I go off to Venice and stuff. But you know, I wouldn't, I'm not at a stage where I would, I mean, I don't want to leave them for a month, but when Charlie's off at university, I, I'm going to be the queen of residencies. And I love gosh, that you're you doing it. You should. It's um, it's so amazing. And it's actually a really affordable way of traveling. It really is. Compared to just going on vacation, it's... Well, yeah, and just to have really, that time and space to, like, and to meet other artists. Like, it looked like you guys had a really good crew when you oh were in my Iceland. God. I, it was, I swear, I met my soul family there. That's we were just, it oh, like. it was, yeah, the minute we walked into, like, we didn't even have to explain. They, we were just, no, don't even talk. We know. Yeah. <laughs> we know. And it How was many so of you were there, like eight or something? I think it was about 10 or 12 total. Yeah. And I had two housemates, which were amazing. They're both filmmakers, so they really helped shift my mind. Uh, they, you know, they're all sound and visuals and movement and it really helped open up my eyes to other parts of art. But, yeah, there's dancers and painters and photographers. It's just been really cool. Wow. And so did you guys stay up? I always picture people staying up super late, oh, drinking yeah. wine, talking about art. Well, we couldn't afford any wine because oh. ice was really expensive. <laughs> really expensive. But we, we did a few times, and it was – that's actually what – well, I had an idea for this podcast a while ago, but I'm like, I want this – I want to recreate this, like staying up all night, talking about art and being inspired and sharing stories. It's so fun. It is. We live in such a cool time where you can do that. I mean, I've talked about it on the podcast that I was really hesitant to do it because of the technology and the uploading and the stuff with the thing. And and it was really my husband that pushed me to do it. Um, And now I'm so happy because this is going to be episode 138. I can't believe it. Isn't that crazy? And that I feel like I have 138 new friends. Yeah, you do. You know? <laughs> and now, like, after, you, after you have this intense hour with somebody and you tell all these stories, like, now, you know, you just reach out to them and it's like, hey, so-and-so, like, because you have this foundation and you know these things and it just opens your mind, like, like those housemates, you know, it opens your mind to things that you hadn't really thought about. And, you know, I always... I always hang up from these podcasts and want to just drop everything and go in the studio. Yeah. Because you're just filled with, like, energy and ideas and colors are in your mind. And it's like, I just got to make something. And so, yeah, it's just been – I'm so happy for you that you're doing it. I think it's such a nice compliment to the magazine. Um, and I think it's going to shift your own work. And, yeah, it's going to be – it's going to open you. you up to so many opportunities that you don't even know yet. 
Thank you. It already has, and I'm so happy for you. I'm just so happy we could connect. <laughs> I know, me too. Instead of just email, it's just so funny. And like, you know, I've I've curated the magazine. <laughs> Thank you for that. It's been amazing. You have been such a great support of the magazine, and I'm so excited. I, I'm so thankful. I yeah, it's been a beautiful issue. It, it was sold such, out really quickly. It was <laughs> such a be. I had so much fun doing it. And um, okay, so let's talk about that but because because before create you had fresh paint and then all of a sudden well I yeah. fresh paint was gone and create was there and I was like hey what happened and I actually think like create has taken on a life of its own which is so cool to watch but what happened like why did you start a magazine to begin with and then what happened there yeah so oh crazy story but I started the magazine I was, it was kind of similar story to the Jealous Curator blog that you started. So I was working, I think at the time I was finally done with IHOP and I was working at, <laughs> <laughs> I was working in makeup. I was doing makeup at Chanel or something. And I was just so depressed. I was volunteering at museums and galleries, but I was not part of a community on a daily basis. And I felt really isolated and I really just wanted Backstory in college, I used to work at a student-run gallery, and I loved it because all these artists from outside of the town would come in, and I got to talk to them and meet new people, and that was all gone after I graduated, so that was probably my favorite part of college, so I was like, okay, what can I do? I don't have uh, rich parents or funding to start a gallery, which would be like the ultimate dream, of course, but (laughs) it didn't happen. I was like, what can I do? Okay, I can start like a website, whatever. So I started a magazine. And mind you, I'm not a designer at all. I'm <laughs> not like you. I have no design skills or technical skills for that matter. So I remember downloading a template template from the internet oh <laughs> for Apple Pages. And I made my first issue of Fresh Paint. But as horrible as it looks and as embarrassing as it may seem now I'm so thankful I did that because it changed my life it really did it took me out of my shell it it opened up my world and introduced me to all these different mediums and so I kept going with it while working on these day jobs and in 2016 uh, the magazine was doing really well so I ended up quitting my day job Wow! and at the time I was with a partner and things didn't work out so it was a little bit of a rocky transition but it taught me a lot, and yeah, 2016 to now, it's been, screen has just blossomed into something, it's really, it's, it's beyond me, I can't even take credit for it, because basically what makes it run is the artists and the curators, and then just our amazing designer, Shelby McFadden, and I'm just, I don't know, I guess I'm just like the <laughs> channel that connected all those people, but I can't, I can't take credit, it's just like a little miracle that rose <laughs> on the side of my life well it's it's so well first of all it's so beautiful and then where it's you can buy it in so many like you're in lots of countries now yeah it's growing it's tough because we did get actually offered to be in barnes and noble but with magazines you have to pay for your own um distribution kind of and oh, okay. take the return so i'm not quite at that stage yet but any independent shops that are willing to take a few copies we are working with so yeah, it's been amazing. Honestly, I'm thankful for, and we're going to be at, <clears throat> we're partnering with a lot of art fairs, which is really fun, and I get to meet a lot of incredible artists. So. Yeah, that's the other thing on Instagram. It always seems like you're at another art fair, and it's just, it's just so cool. 
Yeah, thank you. It's really fun. I love looking at art. I think that's my favorite thing about it, just being exposed to new artwork. Yeah, and meeting all those artists. And Okay, so uh, how do you balance your artwork and residencies and <laughs> working on your own stuff with, like, doing Create? It's not... Do you sleep? I do. I'm a. I like sleep is for like seriously a priority in my life. (laughs) I can't not sleep. But I think it's. Well, I also don't have a family. I don't have any children or pets at the moment, so I'm really flexible in that sense. But I try to designate studio days or studio hours at least. And I always thought painting was the constant of my life, something that will never go away. But the magazine is something that helped me put myself out there and be bolder and connect with other artists. So they both have a very distinct place in who I am. Yeah. Yeah. But you can see that. Yeah. And and there are days where, you know, I have to focus on the magazine if there's a deadline or if I have a painting deadline, I have to paint more. But overall, I'm super happy. I would never complain about working too much <laughs> with any of those things. So I know, because it doesn't feel like work. I feel the same way. It's just like, yeah, I'm super flexible. Sometimes I'm in the studio, sometimes on the, on the computer, sometimes I'm with my son, whatever, you know, and it's, it's really nice to kind of make your own, like, rules. Yeah, and honestly, though, even if you are a full-time artist and just doing art, you still have to manage a lot of administrative things so it's never going to be just painting all day you still have to deal with life so yeah yeah. yes and there's always grocery shopping too you got to fit that in there somewhere yeah Yeah. um so are do you have any residencies that are coming up I do I'm going to France in July I'm so excited I'm doing a neo-feminist residency in northern France for uh two weeks and I'm going to travel to Amsterdam to visit my friend Alicia, who's also a writer for Create. So, super excited. Wow, that Can't sounds wait. awesome. And so, when you go to a residency, do you have a plan of what you want to be working on when you're there, or do you just let the environment inform what happens once you're there? I always have a plan and it never works out because oh. I'm always blown away. Um, you know, I always am like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to make like 10 paintings. And, but then I get there and I'm completely shocked and absorbed in like the magic of a new place. So, I think it's better to just go in there expecting anything (laughs) yeah yeah fair enough um okay and so is there anything is there anything coming up that you want people to know about like either uh call for arts for create or shows that you have coming up or anything like that yeah I mean we have a call for art ending at the end of next month so June 30th I believe is our deadline and it's jury by streets department Conrad Benner he is awesome. He's Philly-based, and he does a lot of street art highlights on his blog. And He's is that for the September work. issue, or what is that? It's August-September. August-September. Okay, cool. Yeah. And then yeah. anything for you for art shows or anything going on? I do. Um, sorry. <laughs> I, <laughs> I do. I can't even think of it right now. I'm just actually trying to make some new work. I'm painting some other people's messy things they submitted to me, so... <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. I'm just trying to make the best body work I can before I turn 30, so I feel so good when I'm 30 and be like, goodbye, 20s. I don't want to see you anymore. Oh, my God, before you turn 30. Oh, <laughs> young little thing. <laughs> no, I'm really excited to not be in my 20s anymore. It sounds really strange, but I think the 20s were just 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, I know what you mean. It's kind of nice to turn a corner and 30 is, yeah, that 30 was the year that I got married and, you know, we decided to move from Toronto out west and it was a very, like, pivotal, like, literally, like, urch, go over here kind of year. So I get it. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay, though. I'm so good. I'm so excited. Yeah. But actually, question for you. So I did have a question for you. So if you had unlimited resources and money or no object, what would you do? What kind of artwork or project would you make? Oh, my God. <laughs> well, I've started <laughs> painting with um, cake icing tools lately. I saw that. They look so good. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of paint. So I'm going through paint like there's Is no it tomorrow. Acrylic? Uh, acrylic and gel medium to make it thicker mm. and uh so for the girl who was told never to paint again i'm seriously painting again <laughs> you're like revenge yeah it's like look at this i just used up 12 tubes of white um so i would i want to go big i would love to just have buckets and buckets of paint and i've been starting just in the last like two weeks i've started working on wood panel because paper has been my nemesis. So as I wanted to get bigger and started to be less afraid of paint, all my paper starts buckling. But because I've been a collage artist for so long, I was like, I have to use paper because that is what I do. And then I was like, hold the phone. I actually went to Jana Watson's studio in Toronto and she had these big, huge wooden panels. And I always thought she painted on canvas and I have an aversion to canvas. So I was like, I'll never do that. And she was working on these big wood panels. And I was like, I can work on big wood panels. So the biggest I have right now is 20 by 24, but I would love to do like a big six footer. Oh, you should. I'd also love you to do a mural. Oh my gosh, me too. That's what I was just saying. I would love to do a mural. I just saw um, Anna Valdez do a mural for Facebook and I'm like, that looks so much, like so much fun. Yeah, I know. I oh really like gosh. to do that too. I could too. totally see you doing a mural. Do you think, I'm just like curious. Can you do murals with, how would, would it be like textured or? I don't know, because it would, if I couldn't do my icing, it would just slide right off the wall. <laughs> yeah. I know, I was thinking about that. As it is now, I have That'd to do them. Fun, it would be, it'd be like almost like a sculpture mural. Yeah, but I'd have to make it and then, a, and then attach it to a wall somehow. <laughs> because right now they take, like I just sold two of them, which is super exciting, but um, I had to let them dry for about a month. <laughs> And it's not even oil, it's acrylic, but like it's so thick. It has to sit there and just dry and dry and dry and dry. Mm. So it wouldn't really work in a mural setting unless I did panels and then attach them to the wall somehow. I'm actually, um, Vancouver Mural Festival is a really good festival that's uh, beginning of August. And so Bunny Reese, she's um, a painter. I, I listened to that episode. Yeah, she's awesome. She's from LA and she's always wanted, in that episode, she's like, I've always wanted to do a mural in Canada. So ta-da, she's doing one at the Vancouver one. So we arranged that and we're supposed to be quote unquote collaborating, which is hilarious because what the hell do I know? So um, the, only, the way we collaborated was that um, I just gave her a whole bunch of ideas for things that I thought were very British Columbia. <laughs> So I think, but she's going to add her bunny cosmicness. So I'm going to go down while she's painting it and hang out. <laughs> that will be my collaboration. But, um, yeah, just, I know. And like more and more people I talk to, especially women doing murals, I think is so interesting and cool. And so I would love to do that. I have no idea what mine would look like or be like, but 
I would, I'll put that out in the universe as something I want to do one day. You should. And it will happen. I can already see it. <laughs> yeah, I would love it. I but yeah, I need it. money for paint now, which I can't believe I'm saying out loud. <laughs> no, I, I feel like that's just every every day. I'm like, hey, money for paint. Yeah. It's going to happen. <laughs> I think the best thing, it's like my manager always tells me, just see how many paintings you need to sell to make that amount of money. She's yeah. so right. And it's really easy. Yeah, I know. It's, um, it's, I'm in this weird, I was selling like crazy. I finally, you know, got, put on my big girl pants and, and said, this work is for sale. I was so scared to put prices on things. I was so scared to say, do you like, you know, people inquire. I'm always yeah. like, oh, you can just have it. Like what? Like what kind of what? sales no. model is that? <laughs> so I actually put a price list together so that it was the priceless fault. So if somebody said, oh, I really like that one. How much is it? It wasn't up to me to go, oh, um, well, I was like, one moment, let me refer to my list, and then I could just <laughs> say the price. But now that I've gotten bigger and more paint, um, I put the prices way up because, you know, fair enough. And especially after talking to Ashley Longshore, I'm like, get that money, girl, get that money. Oh, and she's, <laughs> yeah, she's, <laughs> <laughs> she's so awesome. So I was like, okay, yeah, you know what, fair enough. It's, it's, it's time, like, you know, I need to be evolving my, not only my work, but also the prices and whatever. And so I'm in this weird moment where it's like, ooh, it's time to do it again. You know what I mean? It's time to put on the big girl pants again. And so. Wait, when you do, so just remember that I, my boyfriend always yells at me because, you know, he's a business person and I'm definitely not, but he's always like, just think of all the time you spent it's not about like the money or how much it costs you to make something. Think about like how much energy it is to carve out even time to make work these days with the magazine and traveling and yeah. trying to be a human, <laughs> well, you know, you trying know, not to be unhealthy. Yeah. And I said on the podcast a while ago, um, I forget who said it. One of my guests, basically we we're talking about work that is quick to make, right? Like my older pieces where it's like one swoosh of paint and a little guy, um, you know, it's like, oh my, I, like I literally could do that in 15 minutes. And, but it's like, no, that took 44 years and 15 minutes. Exactly. You know, it's like everything, all of my learning experiences, all the failures, all of the successes, all of the realizing I have to put myself back into the work, all of that goes into that piece. And so it's not about like labor and supplies. It's about, you know, the artist and their path and how they've gotten to where they are. That's where the value is. And I've got a few collectors who um, are actually starting to like, one of them, this woman is amazing. She's in LA. She bought a whole bunch of my little paper pieces when I first announced that I was selling. She bought up four right away. And then I just posted one of my first sort of icing looking pieces, just a corner of it on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And she sent me a direct message and she was like, can I see the full piece? I, I want that. Oh my gosh. That makes me so happy. I know. And I, you know, I wrote her back and I'm like, well, you know, so dumb it's a lot bigger and so therefore it's more expensive and she's like well how much is it so I told her and she's like great they don't care yeah she's like great send it and um I just you know so I shipped it and I sent her a little note and I said you know thank you so much for not just buying my work but for truly supporting artists and truly supporting like that gives me confidence it gives me confidence to know that like oh somebody really really wants this in their home and I don't know. It just gives you that little extra, like, okay, back to the studio, get the icing kit out again. And, um, I just, I, I said to her, Gosh. I appreciate it so much. And, you know, if you have a few of those relationships with these people who like really support what you're doing, 
it's just the best feeling ever. It happened. And I, that's something that I wanted to share with the listeners, too. If someone, if you are passionate about something and you keep making the work that you really care about, there will be collectors. They will yeah. come. And I would never in my in a million years dream that someone would buy my dirty laundry paintings. <laughs> like, I, I just made them for fun. I was like, I love the light in this, whatever. It's like dirty underwear on the floor. How amazing is it that someone wants that in their house? <laughs> I know. Well, but, that's the I thing. Mean, you, can, you can feel... Like, when I turned that corner and just started making work that made me happy, yeah, people can feel it. Like, pe- yes. you know, as it opposed to making things you think people want, yeah, people can that. feel that too, <laughs> you know? Yeah, definitely, for sure. You, uh, Yeah, it's so amazing. I, I'm so happy to hear that because, and people know when you're being authentic. I don't even like that word, but when they're, when they're just when they sense that you're excited about something and you're in the zone and you're, Oh, I want to make more of these. They, they want more of them because they know it's going to, yeah. it just makes them happy to have it around them. Yeah. They want it in their home because they can, they can sense that. And, um, yeah, we're like the same person. It's really weird. I know. I'm With so the magazine and the blog. Okay. Danielle, we have to meet in Miami this year. I don't <gasps> care what happens. We, we have to, to do that. This year. <laughs> we have to do that. Like that just needs that just needs to be in the calendar. Like we can't be like, oh, we should do that, and then December comes and goes. Like, it's gonna be my thirtieth birthday around that time, <gasps> so you have to be there for me in Miami. I know it's really tough to convince you to come to Miami yeah. for our Basel. Yeah, but... in December when it's freezing cold here, and I have to go to Miami. Okay, I'll do it for you, Cat. Just for you. <laughs> I know no, that would be amazing, and we'll and uh, <laughs> we'll wear sparkly things and go and look at art. Oh, that sounds like a dream. dream. <laughs> that is a dream. Okay, done. We've said it out loud. People have heard us. Now we have to be yes, held accountable. Yes, can sponsor us to go. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Who wants to pay for this? <laughs> create uh, create times like Jealous Curator collaboration, please. We were going to have a booth. I want to have a booth. <laughs> I think that would be the best booth ever. It's actually on my vision board. I'm not sure exactly how it can pan out. And there's still time because I, I don't think the art fair started accepting applications just yet so there's still time but we're gonna put it out in the universe yeah okay. somehow we'll have to rope ashley longshore into this and then it'll happen for sure i've seen you know it's so funny oh I, this is a story for another day but while i was going through my transition from fresh paint to create i was invited to art miami to show my piece and ashley longshore had some stuff with a, a brand at the time they were called diamonds unleashed she had some clothing i believe she designed for them so I just remember she's like it's so crazy how all the people that we respect and look up to like somehow end up in our circle it's so great I love it yep you just put yourself in the circle you want to be in you know and the the energy you can get from these people is just it's like fuel it is fuel and you've been my fuel (laughs) I'm serious that's... If it wasn't for you, I swear, um, I felt so completely lost. But looking at what you were doing and putting yourself out there, it helped me. And it, it, it actually, you were part of the reason why I started the magazine. So thank you for that. Wow. Huge thank you. Yeah. That's so cool. Well, see, now we have to do the booth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Well, now, <laughs> you know what else we have to do? I have to do the not-so-speedy speed round. Okay. Ready? <laughs> think so okay so I to tie so. in with your um podcast favorite cocktail Ooh, <laughs> everything now um it depends on the weather okay say it's in miami 
It's your birthday. It's super humid and hot. What would you have? I would say either an Aperol Spritz or a mojito. Oh, I do love a good mojito. Or a margarita. (laughs) (laughs) Or all three in a little line. Yes, we have to have all three. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'll do all three of those with you. And then, of course, you know, I, I can't control myself and I have to say coffee or tea. Coffee. Oh, that's my girl. Um, okay, now this is going to be a tough one. This goes back to your Chanel days and your amazing makeup skills that you have. Would you rather go without eyeshadow or lipstick? Um, I would say with, uh, without lipstick. Okay. You do look beautiful sans makeup as well. Like, you always oh, look amazing. You. But your makeup thank skills, you. they're quite thank something. You. Makeup is just another way to express yourself fun. But, yeah, I think it's good to be comfortable with both. Yeah. If you're into either. Yeah. You don't have to be into either, but, yeah. Um, I'm really bad at it. I'm not very good at applying it. So You maybe... always look amazing. <laughs> I just wear my glasses and cover it all up. Um, okay, here's another would you rather, because they're always fun. Would you rather dance or sing on a stage in front of a giant crowd? <laughs> I'm a horrible dancer. I actually don't dance at all, so singing, even though it's not much better. <laughs> well, I'm I a terrible I'm singer, so I'll do the dancing. I'll dance behind you. You do. Did you know I was a I was a halftime dancer? What? Uh, yes, back in my university days, halftime dancer at basketball games. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's incredible. I, I sang a little bit when I was younger, but I'm not really that great at it, so well, yeah, <laughs> it'll be, not... it was, it'll be an entertaining situation. Well, if there's enough mojitos, if there's enough mojitos, we won't care. It'll be fine. <laughs> Have a great time. Who cares about everyone exactly, else? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, and then I was just thinking of you being a teenager, moving from Russia to the States. Did you have, what was your favorite, like, teenage movie when you moved to the U.S.? Of actually. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. How many times have you or, seen it? I, probably like 10. But I also like to walk to remember, which is like a serious tearjerker. <laughs> is that Mandy but, Moore? Yeah. <laughs> and there's cancer involved or something? Yeah, it's so dark, but yeah. I don't know. I'm just like, <laughs> it was your little sad 13-year-old not speaking to anyone's oh. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny because my husband came from uh, Poland um, they escaped actually during like cold war sort of time in, uh, in the early eighties. And, um, his high, like his view of like American TV and stuff is so funny because he went from like communist Poland to like, you know, watching the Cosby show, you know, and growing pains and all like these eighties, like, you know, sitcoms and stuff. And just like, what a shocking difference yeah you know it just, really is just so crazy but yeah love actually that we bring that out every christmas we watch it every it's christmas. Such a good one. yeah it is it's a good one <laughs> um those were all my questions thank you so much danielle i had such a blast i'm so thankful that we could talk finally <laughs> me too and um i'm so glad the way that we did it because yeah our stories weirdly do weave together they do and there's a reason why i was so drawn to your blog in the beginning yeah, well, I mean, and it's just so funny. Like, I, I think you and I are living very similar lives, and um, I'm so glad that we're connected up now. And um, I really, I keep, I really do have Miami in my mind for December. And so, um, give me a shout, and it, like, whatever we need to do, like, let's make a plan. Okay, we will totally make a plan. Yeah. And 
I believe it. it. I told you it was on my vision board. So, And I, I really want to meet you for a real-life cocktail. So. I know. Me too. <laughs> me too. Well, good luck with the new podcast. Thank you for having me on. It was the only way Thank I could get you, you onto mine. Yeah. <laughs> now you know I would eventually keep in. <laughs> I know. I just chip away at people, and I just chip away until they can't say no to me anymore. <laughs> Thank you so much, Danielle. You too. Have a great day. You too. Okay, bye. Well, that was lovely. I am so excited for Kat and everything that is ahead of her. The magazine, her new podcast, residencies, and a lot more painting. I also really want this whole Art Miami thing to happen. So I'm saying it out loud one more time so the universe hears it loud and clear. Thank you so much to Kat for finally coming on the podcast, for answering all of my questions, and for asking me so many lovely, insightful questions of her own. Thank you to Sachi Art for supporting this episode, and of course, thank you for listening. There will be more art for your ear next weekend. See you then.